American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. The Industrial Revolution. Now, this is something that we have been building towards for several weeks now, thinking about what does it mean to have an industrious revolution that's about the organization of people and an industrial revolution, which is really where machines come into the story. Ed, where, what do you think is important about the Industrial Revolution? Well, we've talked about cotton textile factories and how those are kind of geared with the expansions in the cotton frontier of the South. The expansions geographically, uh, the expansions in the number of people there, which creates new markets for textile factories, but also the expanded ability to produce cotton more efficiently and to produce cotton textiles more efficiently. This is a real change in the way those crucial products are made, and it's possible that that by itself uh, already counts as, as a, a kind of industrial revolution. But what happens pretty soon after uh, 1819 is that you start to see the emergence of the same sort of relationships happening only not happening in one industry, but in several kinds of manufacturing, and then several more. That's in, when you get a revolution. Styles and shoes and any yeah. kind of number of things, pin manufacturing. Mm -hmm. And it's about bringing the people out of the countryside and into the cities. Now, America doesn't become a majority city dweller country until 1920. But this is as part of this process of urbanization. Mm -hmm. So that the efficiency of the agricultural economy is tied in some sense to the rising productivity of the urban economy. That yeah. people are moving out of the country and into these factories where they're beginning to produce goods at an unimaginable rate. Yeah, as soon as you have thousands of people living in places like Lowell or these textile towns in Rhode Island, uh, th those are that many more people who are our market for all kinds of things, like Lewis mentioned shoes, but also for commercial agriculture. These folks are working in the factory all day. They don't have their own farms. Uh, they're not able to produce the, the food that they eat. And so there's this almost a paradox that as people move to the country, they actually in some ways make the countryside more market-oriented and in some areas more prosperous. And it's sort of this amazing what, what economists like to call a virtuous cycle. Mm -hmm. A cycle, of course, virtuous with slavery at its center, but mm -hmm. virtuous in the sense of that the growth feeds on growth so that they begin to produce not just consumer goods, but also producer goods, new kinds of machines that can be used in other kinds of industries. And so it feeds on itself. And productivity by the 1830s and 1840s and 1850s is growing at a breakneck pace. How, how fast do you think things were going, Ed? So in the old agricultural economy, uh, you were lucky if annual productivity or, or annual economic growth hit 1%. And you start to really consistently get over 1%, except in those panic years, uh, after 1815. By the 1830s, uh, you're going to see the national economy growing, at least in those mid-1830 years, at about 6% per year. Now, no economy is going to keep that up forever, but this is the kind of growth that really transforms a society. And the most important point for me, at least, is to remember that as we are creating new machines to replace workers, somehow there is more demand for workers as well. That it's not a zero-sum game. It's not Malthusian capitalist. And the very fact that workers can be replaced by machines and then find other opportunities to use machines even more efficiently is what is so surprising 
It's what is very counterintuitive, not only for us today, uh, but also at the time itself. Yeah, and it was even counterintuitive for workers. But uh, when you look at something like uh, the cotton uh, textile factories, uh, you see in microcosm exactly what Lewis is talking about. So uh, when you have all of these new machines like you do in the spinning and the weaving mills, you need to have somebody who understands how they work uh, and who understands how they work well enough to repair them, to fix them when they break. What you consistently find if you look at this at a sort of a micro level is that those repairmen often then go on to start their own shops and even their own industries, whether they're in watchmaking, brass foundries and things like that in Connecticut, the early uh, shops which build some of the first locomotive engines in the United States, and then take those same sort of principles of, of using steam and mechanical force to drive production and to drive movement and turn that into uh, a whole set of other industries. That starts with the cotton mills. And so this most basic idea that machines can make products more efficiently is spreading throughout the economy from the small shops and factories to the largest new kinds of areas of products. And so it spreads and transforms the entire economy, both as a way to produce things, but also a way, a place in which to invest money. It transforms the very geography of America because as America is a place where this, uh, this revolution is, is happening as rapidly as anywhere else, Britain uh, being the only place that's on the same sort of scale, uh, what America also is, is a place uh, that immigrants want to move to because there are more and more jobs there. And as more and more immigrants come in and keep labor costs a little bit lower than they would have, uh, they're able to uh, help factories to expand even, even faster. They become that many more markets for goods. And many of them also find uh, that there's an opportunity for commercial agriculture. And so they get off the boat in New York and they head straight for Illinois, or they head straight for Missouri, Minnesota, and Wisconsin, and they push the frontier further west. So they literally shape America in response to the needs of this growing capitalist economy. For more information, go to edX.org and look for American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. Or go to facebook.com slash AmericanCapitalismMOOC. This podcast has been brought to you by Cornell X from Cornell University. Mm -hmm.